what if I won the lottery on Friday? And somebody in the meeting said, hell would freeze over. It would never happen. And a week later, I put in my resignation for work and the subject line said, I won the lottery. And the main line said, hell froze over and what that meant. And I will be resigning in two months. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. As humans, we have a tendency to compare ourselves to each other more than a little bit. Sometimes this can be a great thing. It fosters friendly competition, setting goals to achieve, but many times this is a terrible idea, especially when it comes to measuring success. My measure of success probably is not the same as yours, and that's okay, as it turns out. And that's because success looks different for everyone. Now, I think that we all know this. It doesn't necessarily make it any easier. And after working with thousands of people, we've observed that when you worry about other people's opinions, it can negatively impact your potential success. And this is true, even if it's your parents. And their advice was, you know, keep your head down, do your job, don't, you know, make any trouble and, you know, don't get yourself fired because we are, you know, my parents migrated from another country over 50 years ago. And that was the mindset that they they came here with. And I was like, okay, well, I have to do, you know, what my parents say and, you know, do all the right things. That's Selena Singh. As a child of immigrants, she had the privilege of growing up with two different cultures, the one her parents brought over from their old country and the one here in the United States. The difficult part of this is that she didn't want to disappoint her parents. So she ended up staying in her job way longer than what she wanted to. But spoiler alert, if we fast forward, Selena actually just recently joined the HTYC team as our book project leader, which is pretty awesome. So there's a great end to this story. But listen, as my my conversation with Selena begins, you'll hear what led her on this journey in the first place, how she transitioned. And I want you to pay attention to some of the really what many people might look at and call extreme decisions she had to had to make in order to get where she wanted to go. Let's first go back to over 25 years ago. I started my career at Hydro One in around 1997. Prior to starting at Hydro One, I really wanted to become a sports broadcaster. And I went to school for about a year. And then I had an opportunity to purchase a house at a very young age. And I purchased the house with my parents' help. And sports broadcasting was like a dream after that. So I had to find a job where I felt that I could make some money and my parents would be proud of me. And I was able to, from a resource, I was able to find out about this project that where this company was hiring. And long story short, I was able to secure a job with Hydro One. And I thought life is made. My parents were like, okay, you're, you've won the lottery. You've got a job for life. Yeah, exactly. Woohoo. You know, like, hey, little old me found this great job. And their advice was, you know, keep your head down, do your job. Don't, you know, make any trouble and, you know, don't get yourself fired because we are, you know, my parents migrated 
immigrated from another country over 50 years ago. And that was the mindset that they came here with. And I was like, okay, well, I have to do, you know, what my parents say and, you know, do all the right things. And I started 23 years old at the company that I worked at for 24 years. And I made a lot of changes in the company, meaning changes in roles. I truly never felt like I belonged in any role. I started at the very bottom as a call center agent and I moved into billing. I moved into metering. I moved into supervising. I moved into managing teams that I had no idea. I wasn't an engineer or any of those careers where people were normally managers, but yeah. you know, I had something and I didn't really quite know at the time what it was because I just did whatever was told and shifted where I thought I you know, where people told me I needed to go. And COVID, I will say in, you know, the beginning of COVID, something shifted for me. I think it shifted actually a couple of years before that, but I really wasn't listening to my inner mentor, so to speak, my inner myself, like what I really truly wanted. I was doing what everybody else wanted me to do. When you say something shifted several years before COVID, what do you feel like it was at the time that you were not listening to that shifted or what prompted that shift? Experiencing some not so great employees at work. And because I worked in a unionized environment, I was being kind of told to do, you know, my job, which I was trying to do, and then was kind of getting in trouble, which I was not used to ever getting in trouble my entire life. Yeah. And also I was getting in trouble for doing my job. And I started to under, better understand, it took quite a few years to understand what a union envi- unionized environment meant, because I grew up on a farm, you know, my parents have had a farm for a very long time, and you did everything on the farm, and you did complain, everybody worked together. So I went from that environment to doing what I was told and then getting in trouble for doing my job. I had, you know, grievances, like everybody gets these things. So it's like, but I took them very personally and it just kept happening. And I think it was 2018, the shift actually happened when I was sitting in a meeting in another mediation meeting regarding an employee and just something that happened. And the mediator brought me into a room and it was just her and I, and she said, I probably can get fired for saying this, but I'm going to say this to you. And she said, this is going to continue to happen to you if you don't make a change. She said, I would highly recommend you either find a different company that is not unionized to work at or start your own business because she said, you are a badass and you need to do that. And this is not the place for you. And she said that I was clinically cold, but not in a bad way. Like she said, it's not a bad thing. She says, you hold your composure. At first I was like, what did she say? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she said, I was clinically cold. And she said, you've held your composure for all of these years. And she goes, I don't know where you've put all that stuff, but you need to do something else and deal with that. And I went, okay. And then I'm like, am I going to get fired? (laughs) (laughs) What happens next? (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, it actually made a huge shift in my thinking. I thought, oh my gosh, nobody has ever said something like that to me. And I thought, you know, I was doing all the right things. I was working hard and working overtime and changing jobs and, you know, sacrificing my health and my marriage and who knows what else. And all of a sudden it was like, you need to run as fast as you can from here. (laughs) And, And it wasn't the company. It was what my limiting beliefs, my beliefs that I was programmed into, all kinds of things. My parents are amazing and they have taught me a lot of things, but some of the things I feel 
for myself and for the next generation is important to shift that thinking. And that's kind of where my thinking shifted. I think that's always a really fascinating and also difficult time for many people where we start to realize that what we grew up with maybe has served us well, or certainly potentially served our parents well, but is no longer serving us well. And I'll only speak for myself personally. However, that was definitely and continues to be very, very challenging to even one, recognize where it's happening and two, to be able to change those pieces. So kudos to you for beginning to recognize at that point in time that that was happening because many people will go through their entire lives without recognizing that that's at play. What were some of the biggest takeaways that you began to realize or what were some of the biggest areas where you realized that type of thinking was no longer serving you? I started seeing the people I was hanging around with, you know, it made a difference to me. Like I would be talking to some friends, like I, on the side of my corporate role, I studied to become a yoga teacher, as well as I studied to become a holistic nutritionist because of my health issues that I was not struggling with, but I was noticing so many things. And so when I was hanging around with people in yoga and hanging around with people in from a nutrition side, not everybody, because that has its challenges too. I was seeing like I was a different person and I didn't know what imposter syndrome was, but I felt like that's what it was. I mean, now I know that's exactly what it was, is I could be myself in my, you know, the areas that I really enjoyed. And then I had this more than one mask at work. And and it was like, okay, this is not right. Like all of these things that people are telling me is not right. And as I was kind of changing, like standing up or my standing up for myself or and others for different things, all of a sudden I could see people, I don't know if they felt threatened or maybe they felt intimidated because I always just used to do whatever I was told. And then it was like, I don't like myself like this. Like it's now it's like time for me to look in the mirror and say like, what were my actions and some of these things that happened? And it's hard to do that because it's like doing like a 360 interview on your or something like that on yourself, right? And asking other people. And I was asking people in environments like, you know, in my yoga environment and my nutrition environment, because I felt like people would be honest, but not mean to me. And it didn't have to be mean, like being honest, it was great. Like I love the honesty. And I started taking courses on emotional intelligence and we actually had to do exercise as part of our emotional intelligence program to ask eight people some questions about how do you manage your emotions? How do you, do you react? Do you respond? How are you in different things? And I was terrified to do that and I did it. (laughs) And then I was pleasantly surprised of how, well, I was pleasantly surprised about the feedback. And then again, I was like, Selena, you're so hard on yourself all the time. Of course, everybody thinks you're amazing. Like, why don't you? And that's where I had to start down a bit of a journey of really getting to know myself better and what I like and what I don't like and really what I want to do in life. Do you remember one of the first times where you began standing up for yourself? I heard you say earlier that I had always just done whatever people had asked me to do or told me to do. And that began to change. It sounded like as you started getting more comfortable with what you wanted and and yourself. Do you remember one of those first times and what happened? The first time that I can, I mean, there's many, but the one that really, as soon as you asked me that question, it was last year on March. I can can remember the date. It was last year on around March the 6th. And I was in a meeting with a few people and it was only like say less than 10 people. And I was asking for some support on 
some, it was actually COVID protocols that I was working on, which, you know, pandemics all happen all the time. So I must know how to do this work. And I was asking of for course, some help. Of course. <laughs> and I wasn't receiving the support that I was asking for. Yeah. And I felt, because I asked a couple of people before the meeting, does this feel like a reasonable ask? And then all of a sudden I asked and it was like crickets. And so in the meeting, I asked a question because someone was like, oh, you can do this. And I'm like, but there's 10 other people I can think of like right away that could help with this. There's, they have the skills, they, have, they want to do some of this work. So why not you know, give them the opportunity? And they kept saying no, kept saying no. And so I made a comment and I said, what if I won? It was on Wednesday, let's say. And I, I said, what if I won the lottery on Friday? And nobody said anything. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, what if I won the lottery on Friday? What would you guys do? Like, I know all, I have every COVID protocol in my head. I've documented some of them. And what if I won the lottery on Friday? And I said, okay, see you. What would you do? And somebody in the meeting said, hell would freeze over. It would never happen. And I said, oh, you don't think that could happen? And a week later, and it wasn't because it was I had any bitter feelings. I just did some work and I put in my resignation for work. And the subject line said, I won the lottery. And the main line said, hell froze over and what that meant. And I said that after 24 years, I've decided to do heart centered work and I will be resigning in two months. And that was the probably the, the first time I ever felt like I was my true self because I felt like so good about it. I have no, absolutely no regrets. And I will add that I had actually signed up with Happen to Your Career on the day that I made that, or a week before I made that decision. And I knew that Happen to Your Career would help me. I don't think I entirely realized that those were so closely intertwined. So tell me about that decision. Because that is by no circumstances a small decision. It is by no circumstances a lightweight decision. And also, I had just heard you say that in making that decision to leave this organization in which it sounds like for 24 years, never really found a fit in any way whatsoever. I believe that's what I heard you said earlier. Yeah, that's correct. I never felt like it belonged. Yeah. In doing so... It also sounds like that was the first time that you ever really felt like yourself. So what yes. what led, tell me, take me through what it took to make that type of decision. It was really sitting down. And when I read through, okay, I'll, I'll just say this, that yeah. when I read through what the career change bootcamp would do, I was like, okay, you know what? This is what I want. Like this, I need to go through this to find myself, to understand, you hear companies, and I'm not just talking about the company I work for, I'm just in general about core values and you know what matters to you. And my core values, my personal values have never lined up with corporate. And so I feel like no matter where I went in corporate, because of this, you know, the corporate I was used to, the corporate that when my parents came to this country, that, that's what corporate meant, was I wouldn't belong there because I just didn't line up with a lot of those things. So if someone's going to say, you know, for example, we're one company, okay, what does that mean? That means we need something To me, it would mean something different to you. So how do we, I want to work, I think that for me, I want to work somewhere where I feel like when someone says a core value, we're not using it as a, well, that's a core value. It's just blended into your everyday, right? What your values are. And I feel like after 24 years and looking at what the company, you know, this company gave me opportunities and did they give me the opportunities or did I create opportunities based on working, you know, in the roles that I was in? I mean, it was just, 
I was thinking about how, how are my parents, like, what are my parents going to think if I decide to do this? And my husband is, was extremely supportive and we had been talking about it, you know, on and off. And I feel like he knew how loyal I was to the company. I think he just kind of thought, well, we'll have a plan as we normally do. I'm a planner and it may not happen. And I, you know, was seeing like a therapist and just some, you know, just some help, just trying to just talk to some people that were not, you know, close to my life, like they would be, you know, unbiased. And so there was, again, my emotional intelligence coach and just a few people and they weren't making this, like, I wasn't looking for someone to make the decision for me, which was amazing because they were not like, they were not, they were just like, okay, I'm here to talk to you and let's, you know, do our thing. And it came down to, I want to do better for the next generation. I want the next generation to do better. And how I felt like a hypocrite, you know, if I didn't do this, like, I'm like, okay, I have this cushy job and I can do it for the next seven years, retire with this amazing pension. And then I have, you know, five nephews and three nieces who I love. And some of them are already doing some of these things that I want to do at, you know, at my age. And I'm like, I have to do this. And it's like, okay, so when I talk to the pension coordinator. And when they gave me all the information, it was like, it really didn't matter about the money. It was the person, the pension coordinator said, I cannot believe that you are doing this because it's just, nobody does this. He goes, I have so many people who have these conversations. I think you were in HR, uh, Scott, yeah. so people probably talked to you about it in the past is that, you know, I want to do this, this, and this, and this. And then he goes, 99% of people don't do it. And I said, oh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yep, after you just, since we've just talked, I said, I'm good. You send me the paperwork of what we just talked about. And, and within an hour, my husband had half an hour notice and I sent out the email because I knew it was the right thing to do. Everything was lined up. I had a plan to, you know, look at my career going forward. I didn't have to really worry about, you know, money, which, you know, how many people can say that? Didn't have to worry about money. I'm not rich, but I have enough that I can do what I'd like to do in life. And yeah. so that's kind of where how a long way of saying how I got there. You know, I think that there's so much in here that you just mentioned. If we're peeling apart the layers, first of all, let's acknowledge that you are a planner. I think you've done a really nice job creating a situation for yourself to where you could make this type of decision because you've done a nice job with planning and with money and other things like that to where it, that decision becomes possible. And you've built a foundation for yourself to make different types of decisions for your life, which I think is amazing. And a lot of people don't realize that that has to, in many ways, come first. <laughs> and the yeah. second thing is too, and I'm not just talking about money, but I'm talking about prioritizing what is most important to create a foundation for other things too. And another example of that you know, is something else that I think you did really, really well here. At some point, you started practicing prioritizing what was more important to you. And it sounds like you've done such a great job practicing that in small ways as you began you know, attending yoga and other things like that. You were bringing those tiny pieces into your life in much smaller ways that then added up to you be able to make larger, more declarative prioritizations. And that's something that is not easy to do. And 
also, <laughs> also on the outside, I think to everybody else on the outside, when you hear that type of story, it's like, okay, well, just one day we decided to just like do the thing. But there was so much <laughs> leading up to that that allowed yes. you to do the thing. And I just want to say, first of all, congratulations, because that's super Thank cool you. that you made that type of type of decision for yourself. And second of all, I just wanted to unpack for a moment, like all that you said up till now that led <laughs> up to you being able to do, like do the thing, which is amazing. What I think you, the way that you just said, and the way other people say it too, is I don't think I, you know, I give myself and I think others, we don't give ourselves enough credit for, for you know, sure. saving our money. I mean, I started saving money when I was 10, you know, working on the farm, I had my little envelopes and, and like I said, it's not just about money. It's just about, you know, so many th- other things like, you know, so then what are you going to do and how do you want to be and who do you want to be around? How do you want to spend your time? You know, all of those things and not, you know, setting some boundaries because it's really about what is it that I want to do and not again, what does everybody else want me to do with this stage of my life now? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what's not obvious to so many people, especially as you know, we talk about stories like yours on the podcast and how people made one type of change from one to another or left a role or in your case, a whole series of roles that were not a fit over a period of time. It's not always obvious what are all those parts and pieces that led up to it. And I really look at career change of any kind or defining and developing and finding uh, each of our ideal careers as a continuous process, as a continuous refinement process where you're just building the stage to the next level of refinement to allow you to thrive. And I think that on one hand, as I think about your story, (laughs) there's little tiny elements of that there. But on the other hand too, I am really very curious about when you look back, what do you feel like was most difficult for you to get to the point where you made that decision? As you think about everything that led up to it, you know, 24 years of (laughs) career, as you look back, what were some of the most difficult pieces? I think getting out of what number one is getting out of my own way and that self-doubt and the fear because I really didn't talk to a lot of people about it beforehand, which in the past, I would have probably talked to so many people. And again, that just introduces so many layers of, okay, well, this person said this and, and I, and, and for, and again, I think COVID helped with this by working from home as I was home, like all of the time. And I had meetings, but it did kind of take away from the the environment where you had to make small talk with people. So it was more like you could focus on like other things like, oh, you know what? I really like, you know, not getting, I like getting up early, but I really like fitting in my workout in the morning and, and instead of working out, you know, later on in the day. And so I think it's getting out of my own way, not thinking about what everybody else would think, thinking about, wow, like if I do this, like I would be the first person in my family to do something like this. And, you know, in my family, it's like, you know, it's my father started working very young. My mother started working very young and they still work and they're in their seventies, which is okay. It's good for them. And there is a balance and we didn't have that. And that's where I was thinking, well, they're not going to understand. Like, they're going to be like, what do you do? What are you going to do all day? And I think it was just kind of going, but that's okay that they can feel that way. And other people can feel that way. And it really was, well, what do you, what do I think? And how do I want to live? And what, Example, do I want to set, you know, for, and again, going back to the next generation of, and even just like what just happened to your career talk about is meaningful work and really embodying that, right? Is doing things like in order to do things that mean something, it's, it doesn't mean that you have to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's actually probably 
you're working less and gaining so much more. And so it was just kind of a shift in mindset. And really all of the things I was learning, whether it was yoga, meditation, all types of things that I was learning, it was really embodying that and not just going, oh, I have all the knowledge now, I know what to do. It's actually embodying and practicing all of these things consistently. And that's what really led up to the decision. When you think about what helped you along the way, I heard you say earlier, getting out of your own way, but also I heard you say, try not to worry about or try not to think about what other people are thinking. And certainly that has influenced a lot of your choices in the past in a variety of ways, both good and maybe potentially less good for you. However, in this case, you were able to move past that and focus more on what you wanted and being okay with the situation if someone else thought, hey, that's not the right thing for you. <laughs> so what what helped you move past that is really what I would be interested in understanding because it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. Setting boundaries was one thing with a lot of people. My parents thought I was crazy. They they said, can you go back? Like, can you, can you retract that email? And I was like, I don't want to. And I said, I can actually. And I gave myself actually two months, not just because I was going to retract. It was more, I wanted to make sure. I felt like I owed the company that two months to you know yeah. transition, all of that good stuff. And it was like, I had to set some boundaries with my parents. I had to have some really hard conversations with them because I live right beside them too. So it's like, you know, they're like, you can't do this. Like, it, you know, this, this, and this. And I went, and, and it was all like, they're amazing people. It's just, that was the, what they believed, right? You just keep working and, you know, you're, what about your pension? You're not going to get all of this. And I'm like, I know, I know that I've worked all of these years and those things, they, you know, money and, you know, we have to live and all that good stuff. And I want to enjoy life. I said, both my parents started working very, I said, you guys have been working since my dad was six when he started working. My mom was like 12. And I said, I want you to be proud of my career and all of the other things you don't even know that I can do that I want to improve on. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, did you know that I'm going to start, like, I would like to start a podcast. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and, you know, I like, is that how much money is that going to pay you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah. that, that's the thing. Like I've set my life up to, so I explained them. I've set my life up. So I don't have to worry about that and, and that I can shift. I don't need to, you know, all of these things that I used to think that made me happy. And I don't need those things anymore. I want you both to see that the hard work that you've put in and sacrifice is now that I don't have to work as hard. And then the next generation doesn't have to work as hard. It definitely helped having that conversation. At first, they were looking at me like I had three heads and I was crazy. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can be in a normal mindset to do it. I mean, you have, you definitely need to be in a mindset where it's okay what everybody else thinks, but you don't have to do what they say. It's okay and say, thank you for your feedback and be very conscientious of who you're asking for feedback from because, yep, some people in my life would have talked to me for hours about why this was the wrong decision. So my circle of friends really changed after I made the decision. I had many, many people sending me emails 
asking me what lottery I won. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see anything on the news. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Saying I won the lottery of life made no sense to most of the people I worked with because that's what I felt like. I felt like I won the lottery of life so that I heard on a podcast, I think it was just on Monday that you had with Liz and she was talking about the book, The Second Mountain. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a book that I read in 2019 that it was such an, a major book in my shift as well as that book. And there's a uh, book called The Choice and The Gift, like all of these books, there's a little piece of it that helped me to make you know that change and going, okay, leaving, I felt like it was in that valley. And now I'm coming up that second mountain. And, and now I'm just like, hey, you know what, the sky's the limit. I didn't think there was any other company or any other place I could go. Not, you know, with my age, and just because I spent so many years in a company and a culture that frankly, it's just very difficult to break that mindset that you may not fit in anywhere else. I didn't fit in there anyway. So it was okay. I will fit in somewhere. I think that that is definitely something that I've heard many times over in conversations with people that, you know, what if I don't, and then whether it's fit in or any number of other things after that, like fill in the blank here. Yes. And it's that line of thinking that is really normal for us as humans. It is built into how we're hardwired and it is a big component of uh, human psychology. And I, I think the studies that I've seen on how we evaluate loss uh, much, much greater. And we give so much more weight to that potentially, even loss that isn't even a real thing. Like you said, yes. you know, I didn't fit in there anyway. So the fact that you are perceiving that you might lose something that you didn't even have is still getting time and attention. And that's normal for us as humans. Mm-hmm. However, being able to move through that is very, very difficult and being able to understand that that's what's at play. And again, I just want to say congratulations with that one. You began to recognize that and we're doing something about it the entire time. And also it leads me to the next question of you afterwards, after you left, began experimenting, it sounds like with a variety of different areas. And I'm curious, would you be willing to share some of those experiments? I know you did start a podcast Mm -hmm. and would love to hear more about that, but also what other ways have you experimented? And also, what have you learned about what creates a much more fulfilling career for you? One interesting thing when I was working with Alistair is we did the design experiments and I I really love doing that. So I, you know, I started doing informational interviews. I, I reached out to a few people that, you know, through other contacts. And I really enjoy talking to people about, you know, their career, not just their careers, but just getting to kind of know them and yeah. what they're doing now. And so I really enjoy doing that the informational interviews. And I applied for a job, a role actually with my favorite sports team, and uh, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wait, and hold on. How have we not had this conversation? Have we had I don't this conversation? Know. I don't know. You're a, I, you're a Leafs fan? I am a Leafs fan. Ah, very cool. We are, we are huge hockey fans here. Seattle has given us the Kraken, which yes. unfortunately are having a mediocre first year That's ever, okay. but uh, <laughs> we'll get over it. Either way. I'm a Leafs uh, fan. They haven't that won in 54 fan. years. So. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. It was like the Boston Red Sox of the NHL. That <laughs> exactly. equivalent. Yes. Pull off the curse. Okay. All right. So you're a Leafs fan. Yes. Uh, I like you even more now. And also <laughs> at the same time, you accepted a, uh, or you applied for a role 
I applied for a role, which was a, uh, it actually posted like shortly after I retired from my role, my job. And it was a, almost like an apprenticeship to work with the team. And they had a coaching apprenticeship and a management. It was like mentorship, apprenticeship geared towards diversity and inclusion. That was part of their diversity inclusion. And one of their initiatives was to hire two people, either, you know, who African-American or Indigenous or part of a marginalized group. And my husband actually sent me the posting and he said, you totally need to apply for this job. (laughs) (laughs) And I read it and I talked to Alistair about it. And, you know, and I actually ended up saying this on my podcast because I talked about it was it didn't work out. I mean, I, but going through the process of applying, they asked to do, you know, not just send your resume. They actually also asked for you to do a video or a cover letter or a slide deck on who you were, like personally. And so I did a slide deck and I had no idea what Fiverr was until Alistair told me what Fiverr was. And context Fiverr is a place where you can go and like I, I've used Fiverr many times, you know, when we needed to get some graphic design done, when we needed exactly. to get a project created, it's a place where people with different skill sets can post jobs or what they call gigs to be able to have people that have those needs meet up with the people who have the skills to be able to do them. Kind of like an Upwork or similar. Yeah. So, kind of like so you, over for bulletin boards, right? Like we, yeah, used to, absolutely. we used to put stuff on job boards. So now it's like this. So I actually hired, you know, worked with somebody on Fiverr to put my, I actually did a slide deck and I, I put pictures in it of my, like, who am I and how I connected with the Maple Leafs, like when I was three years old. So like in around 1977, because of my dad, my dad started watching hockey. My dad, you know, came to this came to Canada. That's where I'm from in 19. 19- 70. My parents are originally from Guyana and my dad wanted to, you know, be the best Canadian ever. So he, you know, loves hockey, loves, you know, we have a baseball team and I always, you know, wanted to be like dad. And I connected a lot with my, you know, very closely with my dad. So (laughs) I wanted to know everything about hockey. (laughs) And so I put a lot of that in my presentation about me and, you know, my connection with my dad and the team. And also where I grew up, I was um, the only, well, everybody in my class was white <laughs> in first eight years, first eight years of my life. And so knowing about hockey was, everybody talked about hockey. So, I mean, I was pretty popular because I knew all the stats and I was really great at sports. So then people stopped teasing you or bullying you because you you're like everybody else. And I was actually better because I was really great at sports. Like I was amazing at sports and still am. Like I still love sports. And so I applied for the job and I was not the successful applicant. And I was okay with that because I received a really amazing letter from the general manager. And it was, you know, they basically just said that they really liked my presentation and basically there was a better fit and I was okay. Cause I really enjoyed the process more than anything. Like I would have done that job for free with what I would have learned. It would just be, and I think, I feel like I had something also to offer, not just what they would have given me. I had something to offer. So I think it would just been a great thing to, you know, tell my, you know, my uh, nieces and nephews, kids, when I get older, you know, another thing that I did, which is pretty cool. That's amazing. What do you feel like you learned out of that experience? I learned that there are just so many opportunities out there that I was not aware of and that I have a lot of transferable skills. I have a lot of life experience that 
it means something and it didn't feel like it ever meant something before. So, and I feel like every, you know, whether it's role or my podcast or whatever I'm doing, I feel like I'm worthy of it and I belong with, you know, with the things that I'm doing now. Why do you feel from your perspective, because you've lived this a little bit, but what do you feel makes it so difficult when you are in the same organization or same role or same anything for a long period of time to be able to see what else is out there? Because I just heard you say two things that I believe some of the biggest challenges. One, I heard you say that it was difficult to, you just flat out didn't know all the things that could be out there. And you're right. There's so much out there. And even things that aren't actually out there can be created too. Yes. Yes. And then the other thing I heard you say too, is that, well, it sounded like it was difficult to understand what skills actually transferred outside of the environment that you'd been in so long. So on one hand, what do you think that makes it especially challenging? Why? Where did you see that for yourself? And then on the other hand, I'm curious what helped you begin to see that? I think you get very comfortable when you're in an environment where you can stay in your job, you can, you know, go in other jobs in the company and you just find, oh, okay, so I've got all these things in place. You know, I've got all the, I've got the pension. Yay. My parents are going to be happy. I've got this, I've got that. And then there's just that comfort, you feel comfortable. And the thing is, is when I thought I was comfortable, actually, that's when my health would bother me more because it was inside was going, no, you're not comfortable. That's not what comfortable means. Like that's not the only things that you need to be comfortable later in life. And that's where it was like, I really need to start paying attention to what is my body telling me? I mean, I love to exercise and I listen to my body that way, but I wasn't listening to my body when it came to these messages that, you know, these signs that were coming to me through my health going, no, that is not what being comfortable feels like. And that's where the shift happened is when I was talking to people outside of my corporation who I was friends working with Alistair. And I think with all the coaches, you know, you have your accountability team with, you know, what, what happens when things get hard and not one person on my accountability team was somebody that I worked with. Like, and because I wanted it to be, because I knew this was some going to be something different. So I already knew I wanted to leave that environment, that corporate environment. And I thought, well, I don't need somebody saying, no, you need to stay here. So the accountability team members that I had were either people who were self-employed or who had done something, maybe a different story, obviously different story than mine, maybe didn't wait as long as I did. So that really helped me to kind of see like, okay, so these feelings that I'm feeling, they're actually true. Like other people are saying like, yeah, you need to listen to those things. And I learned some skills on how to do that, whether it was meditating or understanding better. What is fear? Like fear was a big thing. Self-doubt was a big thing. Who's going to want to hire me after spending 24 years in a company that, you know, I had to work hard for those roles and interview for them, but I knew exactly what I needed to do where you know, it was getting out of my comfort zone and doing things that, you know, getting into the areas that I really wanted to and going, yeah, I can totally do this if I want to. And I can learn things. I have transferable skills and I'm really good at learning things quickly, adapting really well. I love, I didn't realize how much I like change until I left my company because we talked about change all the time. And I think it's that fine line that people want change, but then when it happens, it's the, it's like, oh my gosh, all this change. Right. So I got into that kind of, you know, habit of going, yeah, we want all these changes. And then when they would happen, people wouldn't like them. And it was be like, no, but this is amazing. And how do you sell that? If people like around you are, they're just so used to change happening. So, take so long. 
And I was just like, oh, but we can change this really quickly. Let's do this and this. And it was just like, oh, this is how people spend 25 years in a company and walk away with a pension and then go, I really don't know what I did. Like, oh, no. actually make a difference, you know? I think that's fascinating that once you removed yourself from that environment, that you realized that, oh, I actually love change in so many different ways that it sounds like you didn't fully know about when right. you were there. Yeah. That's really interesting. I was so, afraid of change. I yeah. Wasn't. When you think back, I want you to go and put yourself in you know the shoes that you were in three, four years ago when you started getting inklings of, hey, this is really not right for me. And it's not been right for a long period of time. And you started just, we're starting considering, hey, maybe there could be or should be or might be something different. Because I think that's where a lot of people are at in one way or another, where they're just considering, hey, should I make a change? And you know, quite frankly, a lot of people would consider this type of change a pretty, pretty large change, right? Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to those people that are considering, should I make this change? Should I prioritize something different in my life? The advice that I would give is I think it's really hard to do this. And I really feel like people sat for five or 10 minutes and thought about, you know, instead of looking at like, you're looking at like, look at a menu and think like, there's so many things on a menu and go, okay, I've only picked the same thing every day or every year for how long. And there's so many things on there. And think about like, what other things do you want on that menu? And you don't have to solution it. It's really like, what are your values? And what is it that you want? And is, do those things actually match up? And it's really, and, and, and knowing that and surrounding yourself with people who small, very small group of people who will be very unbiased with whatever you want to talk. You can talk to people, but I think having that conversation with yourself and saying, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. How am I living my life right now? And then, you know, looking at solutions, like possible solutions, I think, but doing those exercise, like that exercise, it seems like it's easy. It's not simple or simple. It's not easy. And doing it, I feel like it will make that shift of, of course, this makes sense. I need to do this. And it takes, it'll help to take away the fear and the self-doubt. And like you said, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's taking that one step towards, you know, what you really want. That's amazing. And I love the idea of thinking about it as a menu and then asking, hey, am, am I okay with what's on the menu right here? Or do I want there to be more on the menu? Or do I need to go to an entirely different restaurant? I don't know. Exactly. But, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is a fantastic way to think about it. I know I said this earlier, but I just wanted to say again, really, really nice work here is always very difficult because when I get to have these conversations with people like you, Selena, who have done such a great job prioritizing different things than they were prioritizing in their life and continuing to prioritize those pieces and parts that are most important to them going forward. We can never represent all the things that had to happen and all the work that had to be done <laughs> in order so to get there. It just seems as if it can be so easy and it is, it is not easy. And I know that. So really, really wonderful job and congratulations again. I appreciate it. I was super curious about when you said sports broadcasting earlier, was that tied into some of the reasons that you love the Leafs and hockey and so many sports? What caused you to be interested in sports broadcasting? I watched sports from you know the time I was three years old until when I started, I did sports broadcasting for a year. I always saw men doing it. And I thought, I can do that. I know the stats. I know all this stuff. I've, yeah. I've never played. Unfortunately, my parents couldn't afford you know, to send, you know, for me to play. 
And I just, I was so good at the stats and, and I just loved just when I would watch, like there's a lot of great broadcasters out there that I would like to listen to. And I would like, I would love to do that just to maybe get more females interested in sports, right? Because they're, you know, my mother could care less to watch hockey. And the reason that, you know, when I said I wanted to be a sports broadcaster originally, she got it because I used to drag her to the, you know, the local drugstore to buy like a, I don't care about my age because at the time I was like, I don't know, nine or 10 years old. It was like 25 cents for like the Saturday paper. And I love to cut the pages out, like the pictures out and make scrapbooks. And then I would write little things about what I would say if I was a broadcaster. And that's really why. And I think that's why I started my podcast because I can do that now. And, you know, I don't talk about sports all the time and I love being in front of like watching you on the mic there. It's just, or just hearing you on the mic, you know, on your podcast was like, I want to do that. I think it's so cool. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of fun work because whatever I put out there, I put, you know, use a sports and I put 110% into it (laughs) and, uh, and more. I just, I put my heart and soul into that. That's amazing. And I think it's so fun to see how little tidbits of the past, like once you start paying attention to what you want again, a little tidbits of the past start to pop up and these little indications. So that's really fun to see that happen in that way for you. That's awesome. Anything else that we didn't already talk about or cover that you think would be useful for our audience to know. And if there's not anything, that's totally okay. But open, open mic time, Selena. Open mic time. <laughs> I just want to think, um, you know, I, have you read the book Playing Big? I have had it quoted to me so many times that I feel like I've read it, but I have not actually read it. I just started reading it two weeks ago. And yeah. what do you think? I feel like the person who told me to read this was, I was saying to her that um, I was feeling some self-doubt about where to take my podcast next. I want to start interviewing people. Yeah. And she's like, but you're so good. Like, it, it sounds pretty good. And, you know, when you're speaking yourself, she's like, what's going on? And I'm like... I just have this self-doubt that I'm not going to be good at it. And she goes, who's good at it? Like, she goes, have you heard some of the podcasts? (laughs) (laughs) You heard those podcasts. (laughs) And I said, no, that's true. And in Playing Big, they talk about how fear is defined in two ways and how this actually helped me even with this podcast today. You know, this interview is there's two types of fear. One is the what if worst case scenarios And the other is what happens when you're in a place where, you know, it's bigger than you expected. So expansion happens or energy gets better, or you actually connect with your true self. That's a different type of fear. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was totally feeling the other type of fear. And I had no idea. I thought it was the what if that, oh my gosh, what if this happens, you know? And I don't know. It's something about me that I've learned. And I think that, you know, it's important for people to really look at both of those types of fear and know that there's different ways to navigate them. It's not a one stop, you know, oh, just get over the fear, go get some, you know, hypnosis or something. No, it's more of uh-uh. allow it, like allow that yeah. that fear. So sometimes when I meditate, it's like there's some fear that'll creep up. And that's why I listen to the the music that I listen to after, because it really helps to it really truly grounds me to go like, no, I can do this. Like ground and then yeah, I can do this. And it's the inner critic versus the inner mentor, they call it, which mm-hmm. is amazing. I love that. And I love it. Most of our episodes on Happy to Your Career often showcase stories of people that have 
identified and found and taken the steps to get to work that they are absolutely enamored with that matches their strengths and is really what they want in their lives. And if that's something that you're ready to begin taking steps towards, that is awesome. You can actually get on the phone with us and and our team and we can have a conversation to find the very best way that we can help. It's super informal and we try to understand what your goals are, where you want to go, and what specifically you need our help with. And then we figure out the very best type of help for you, whatever that looks like, and sometimes even customize that type of help. And then we make it happen. A really easy way to schedule a conversation with our team is just go to scheduleaconversation.com. That's scheduleaconversation.com and find a time that works best for you. We'll ask you a few questions uh, as well, and uh, then we'll get you on the phone and figure out how we can get you going to work that you really want to be doing, that fits your strengths, that you love and you're enamored with. Hey, can't wait to hear from you. Until next week, adios. I'm out.